0: Welcome to I Need Some Air. Bending. A Last Airbender fan cast from someone who's seen the show before. And someone
1: who has not.
0: I'm Lennon Ferguson.
1: And I'm Michael Williams.
0: After June is unable to find the Avatar, Zuko decides to find his uncle instead, and Team Avatar meets the Order of the White Lotus, its leader being Iroh. After reuniting with Iroh, the team chooses to split up and go in different directions to help stop the Fire Nation.
1: Meanwhile, Aang seeks guidance from his past lives, but they insist he must take Fire Lord Ozai's life. Still unsure what to do, Aang discovers the island to be a wise lion turtle. Where
0: do we start,
1: Michael? I, I think we could start right here. I do not understand why these last two episodes got bunched up with the last two in like one big hour and a half long episode because i gotta tell you these two episodes feel like very separate like they don't feel like they're part of one gigantic story like they still feel pretty standalone so i'm just wondering like i don't i don't know if it was necessary to put them all in one long episode i think it could remain separate
0: i think it aired originally that way to make a big finale out of the end of the show oh yeah
1: i i'm sure it did Mm -hmm. But uh, I just don't see why Netflix... Oh, right.
0: Why not just separate them? Yeah. I'm curious what the DVDs do. If they play the same way, maybe it's just a universal layout.
1: Yeah. They could, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel like... And I know we're only halfway through. It doesn't feel like one big epic series finale. Mm -hmm. Like these last two episodes just feel pretty standalone. They, They feel like they're setting up the finale, but we're not there yet. So I don't know, I, and I don't know who decides that, because that's happened a couple times. Like, if there's a two-part episode, they'll combine it into one, but usually those two-part episodes, like, lead directly into each other. Right, right. These ones, they do, but it's not reliant on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we've had the occasional two-part episode where there's an underline that follows through part one and part two, but the main plots of each episode are completely separate.
1: Yeah. That's what I think. There's a main line in between these two episodes. Mainly like Aang getting ready to face the Fire Lord and then still struggling with that question. Mm-hmm. But the plot that Zuko and everyone ends up in this episode is like very different but equally important. To me it all just feels like setup. Like that's, that's the main point I'm trying to make. Like these two episodes, they're good. They feel like setup. So I just don't know why they're all bunched together.
0: I will say, as a counter-argument to what you're saying, these last two episodes haven't played as well by themselves as a lot of other Avatar episodes. And I think that's mainly because they are just spending all their time setting up, and by the time they get to the end, nothing's really paid off except for, here's the next episode, which me and you are not watching directly. So in that instance, I see them... Needing to be all together back to back like this, but I do understand what you're saying. It's a kind of a little bit of both, I think. So let's start with Ang on the island, which we now know is a lion turtle. Which you had said you expected it to be a turtle. Did you think about it being a crossover animal?
1: I, I didn't, but I probably should have. Right. I just went with turtle because you know what else would it be right
0: it's clearly based on that old mythology so
1: it, it's either that or it's a duck that just always keeps its head in the water if this was a giant turtle duck that would have been amazing yeah can, oh, also can, can, can we just say it right now there is no way there is no way that ang can swim faster than a gigantic turtle
0: Yes, I was thinking the same thing. I kept expecting him to waterbend his way around, but they didn't really showcase that.
1: He gets off it. I was like, you would be quicker if you just ran to the front on land or shell or whatever. That's the only thing. I was like, okay, like he, he must be doing some waterbending. Yeah. Either that or he should be a champion swimmer when he's done.
0: That's what I said. That is the only way it makes sense, but they just didn't showcase it in the animation. I don't know. Not a huge deal at all. But one of the things I like about this lion turtle reveal is that it's actually not the first time we've seen a lion turtle. Do you have any guesses as to where it would have popped up once before this?
1: Um, My guess would be Aang's journey into the spirit realm? Spirit
0: world? Not a bad guess, but that is wrong. Alright, podcast is over. I was wrong. No, it's the library episode. They find a piece of paper with a drawing of a lion turtle on it. Okay. They may have name-dropped it, I can't remember, but I remember seeing the image and I went, oh, that's a perfect setup for what's coming an entire season and a half later. I love when shows are able to do stuff like that and kind of reveal that, hey, we have a plan here.
1: Yeah, props to the team behind Avatar for all these hidden little details.
0: So with Aang on the back of this lion turtle, which clearly has to be some sort of ancient spiritual being because we see it able to speak to Aang. Also, the weird thing going on that Nyla, June's shearshoe, wasn't able to find Aang's scent at all. And she said he doesn't exist. If he's dead, we'd be able to find him, but he doesn't exist.
1: Can we just talk about like how funny that is? Just like, Hey, we need you to find this guy. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, he doesn't exist. What? It's like, yeah, he doesn't exist. I think I know if he exists or not. I was like, oh, clearly, sir, he does not exist. Right, so yeah. I don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, it's definitely got some weird spirit world stuff going on, but hes it's different than being in the spirit world. What do you, what do you think the turtle...
1: Like, is the turtle real? I mean, probably not. But that being said, I, what happened to Aang's body then? Like, I really don't know. They've never really explained in-depth like what it means to go in the spirit world is it like your body going to another realm Mm -hmm. or is it like your your spirit i don't know and i can't remember off the top of my head i i'm just still tickled by the interactions like sorry he doesn't exist (laughs) right yeah it's just kind of i don't know why it just kind of reminds me of like that old trope i was like i'm here checking in to the hotel so i um, i have a reservation under the name williams uh i'm sorry we do not have that reservation did you by chance make it under another name and why would I have done that? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, that's the kind of like interaction it felt like to me. It's like, sorry, he doesn't exist. Like, wait, what?
0: You did make me kind of realize something. This comes up later in other Avatar stories, but there are multiple ways to enter the spirit world. One of them is spiritually, by meditating, and you- your mind and your spirit enter the realm. Or... You can just physically walk into the spirit world. Okay. So you've made me think now, maybe something to do with this turtle's bat is like Aang walking physically into the spirit world, which means he doesn't exist in the physical realm. That's gotta be what's going on here. It's the only thing in terms of knowing the Avatar lore ahead of time that makes any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It's very existential, isn't it? Kind of. Yep. Go into the spirit realm, you cease to exist.
0: I think it's interesting that there was no scent trail for the shearshoe to pick up at all. If anything, the Shearshu should have led them back to the beach Aang disappeared at. But that only makes me think that the shearshoe doesn't follow a scent trail necessarily, but is able to just smell where you are.
1: Yeah, that's... I don't know. It's just very weird. If you go in the spirit realm, does all the traces of you on the earth just cease to exist? I
0: mean, that's kind of what they implied here, but I would take it with a grain of salt
1: if I had to. You're talking about, like, pheromones or scents in the air that, like, an animal contract is, mm-hmm. like, just gone. Right, yeah. That's kind of weird. It's frightening to think about. Do you think God stays in heaven because he <laughs> lives in fear of what he's created? <laughs> What is that from? That's from Spy Kids 2. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I don't know why, just like, thinking about, you just like, cease to exist. This is how I feel like describing Aang right now. He just leaves, like he's vanished from the world. (laughs) I don't know why, like, that that quote is what popped in my head. So we can add Spy Kids 2 Island of Lost Dreams to all our references. (laughs)
0: We can debate about, like, the reason that Aang was called to the Lion Turtle, which we'll get to in a minute. The Lion Turtle does say something to Aang. But while Aang is here, he finds this stone platform that he then discovers he can't earth bend, so it's not Earth. And he realizes that he can sit down and try to channel his past lives. And we see him talk to Roku, Kiyoshi, Kurok, and Yang Chin. This was your first introduction, I believe, to Korok and Yang Chen. correct?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: So we see Roku gives Aang the example that he did not act and did not kill Sozin at the time, which could have prevented this entire war. But because he was indecisive, Roku kind of is the cause for everything that Aang is now having to go through. And then we see Kiyoshi... She says that she did not directly kill, but to her, he died because he wouldn't get out of the way. She didn't really see it as any different, and kind of implies that she would have killed him. And I'll tell you that I've read the Kyoshi novels, and she's killed before that, too. So, not a big deal to her. Then we see Koruk saying that he was a little bit more of a relaxed avatar, he didn't really pay attention to the things around him. And then Ko, the face dealer took the love of his life from him. He's kind of telling Aang that, you know, you've got to act on this stuff and you've got to pay attention and do the job of the avatar. So bad things like that don't happen. And then Yang Chin tells him, and I think she has the most interesting point that the ways of the monks, the nomads, while, aspirational, are not for the Avatar. The Avatar has to separate themselves from the teachings of the Air Nomads, and that it's Aang's responsibility to take out Fire Lord Sozin. What are your thoughts on their advice and the place that Aang is in his decision making and still not agreeing with them?
1: Um, it was kind of disheartening for Aang to like go in there with all these concerns, and then everyone's just like, yeah, you just gotta kill him. Otherwise, it's gonna go bad. I'm sorry, but yeah, you gotta kill him. We've all made mistakes here. <laughs> right. Like, let, let, me, let me put it straight for you, Aang. We're here because I didn't kill someone. <laughs> so, like, if you don't kill this guy, you're just screwing over the next avatar, and then you're gonna have this conversation. I, I did think it was interesting from uh, the previous Aeronomad, uh, what was her name again? Yang Chin. Yang Chin. About, you kind of have to transcend the teachings of where you're from, it's like you can't be the avatar and only act like an air nomad because that pretty much goes against the whole premise of the avatar because you have to use all these different styles of bending and in a sense, you kind of have to pull from all their different cultures and their attitudes to get each element of the bending right. So you kind of have to master all of it. So if you stick to like one interpretation of how you should be based on, like, one culture's ideas, you're going to find yourself in a moral quandary like the one Aang is in now. Mm -hmm. Although, I don't know, um, is it just the air nomads who, like, practice pacifism? Or do any of the other ones do?
0: I feel like, yeah, it's just the air nomads. I think that's what makes them the culture that they are and how it differentiates them from everyone
1: else. Yeah, for the most part. But yeah, overall, I enjoyed the conversation. It kind of went how I thought it would when we talked about it uh, last time. I was like, yeah, I feel like they're all gonna tell him. I was like, you gotta kill him. And Aang's just like, "Huh? Oh, why? But yeah, it was weird. No one's offering Aang like, any solution other than like you gotta kill him. So I have, no, I have no idea how he's gonna get out of this. Because I still do not think he's actually gonna kill him. Because that, that would be a pretty dark ending for Aang. I don't know. I, I, I feel like he's going to find a way out of it. I just do not know, like, how. Because no one's offering him any solutions. So I'm sure he'll figure something out. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll just, like, cut off the Fire Lord's hands or something. <laughs> just, like, cut off his hands and feet. You know, just hobble him. You know, just, like, keep him in a cell. So like, yeah. Like, unless he learns how to be like a Winston, you know, our old friend the Combustion Man right just just shoots it out of his forehead but I don't know Sokka will hit him with a boomerang and you know like block his chakra and then just like make him blow up now
0: Winston's kind of proves that even doing what you just suggested would be a temporary solution
1: wait wait Um... a minute (laughs) hold on I just realized we we talked a good bit last time about the fact that like no one's killed anyone but like Sokka I feel like has definitely killed Winston (laughs) Oh, no, Winston's dead, for sure. Yeah, and, like, Sokka killed him. Right. So, okay. Yeah, I can understand why Sokka would tell Aang to kill, to kill the Fire Lord.
0: No, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know why we did not think about that at the time.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: Once we see Aang confront the Lion Turtle, we see the Lion Turtle give Aang some words of wisdom. The true mind can weather all lies... And illusions without being lost. The true heart can tough the poison of hatred without being harmed. Since beginningless time, darkness thrives in the void, but always yields to purifying light.
1: Yeah, I think I can see why I, that did not stick in my head.
0: <laughs> right. It's very cryptic. Yeah. And I don't even think we can break it down. The only thing I can really suss out is that the true heart can touch the poison of hatred without being harmed. Someone like Aang, he's had moments where he's been very angry and very aggressive and very hurt, like when he finds out that his entire people were killed or when Appa was stolen. But his heart was never ruined by the poison of hatred because he has a good heart. He has a true heart. And then, like, I don't know, darkness thrives in the void. That's kind of, I mean, sort of a no-duh kind of sentence. I don't know but always yields to purifying light. Okay, so light beats darkness every time. Um, Sort of the same thing as the heart. The true mind can weather all lies and illusions without being lost. That means you can always come back to your ideals, even if someone tries to steer you in the wrong direction. But after all this is said, he then touches Aang's forehead and light shows up. Do you have any idea what this was?
1: I, I have no idea. Maybe he was charging Aang? I, I don't know.
0: So, keeping in mind that I know what it is, I did come up with a couple of things to throw at you that let you speculate a little bit. We talked about Aang being physically gone from the real world and lost in this like spirit world. It could have been the Lion Turtle bringing him back before setting him on land again uh, it could have been him showing a vision to ang that we haven't seen that we may see later it It could have been just i don't know giving ang an understanding of what he just said to him um, I don't know, does that trigger any thoughts for you not not really well let me let me ask it to you this way: do you think it helps Aang with the struggle that he's been confronting with
1: i th- I think so in some way. Because it looks like he has more resolve at the end. And I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking at the words that the turtle says to him, and I'm, I kind of have my own ideas about what he might be trying to say. Interesting. Go ahead. It's mainly like the first line, it's like, the true mind can weather all the lies and illusions without being lost. I don't know why, that just makes me think of the lesson about the Avatar state, where you have to clear all your chakras and like let go of everything mm-hmm. in order to get to that state. And then, like, when you're done, you come back and you can go through all the lies and illusions. Because, you know, I don't think, like, lies and illusions are, like, necessarily bad. Because, in a sense, you know, there's good lies, there's white lies or whatever. And, you know, there are some things that are technically illusions. Like, you know, love and happiness, like, is an illusion. That that doesn't mean it's bad, but, you know, it's an illusion you, like, create or you pursue. Mm. But, um, I don't know. Like, that's kind of what I think of, about it. It's like, Lies and Illusions, I don't think that's a necessarily bad thing. I think it's just talk about everything in and of itself. To, like, get back to the true self, which I guess would be the Avatar state. And then the rest, it's all... I feel like it's just kind of describing, like, I, I guess the Avatar state. It's like, darkness thrives in the void, but always yields to purifying light. I don't know, that just makes me think of the Avatar state, because uh, he, there's a lot of light mm-hmm. in the Avatar state. I don't know. I feel like it has something to do with that. So, like, something about the Avatar state, because he hasn't gone back to the Avatar state, right? He hasn't been there since season two.
0: Yeah, I don't know that he still can yet. I think his chakras were locked, and then he was killed, and I, so I think there's this weird limbo state right now with the Avatar. So, maybe state.
1: that's it. Maybe it's like advice on how to get back to the Avatar state, because that's really the only thing I can think of. Also, I've never heard the phrase beginningless time.
0: Yeah, neither have I. That one, that one got me.
1: Okay, did time begin, or did it not?
0: Um, I don't know. Time is a circle, so that could be beginningless. What if the turtle is inverted?
1: To move it backwards through the flow of time?
0: Time doesn't exist on the turtle, which is why Aang couldn't be found.
1: But yeah, those are pretty much my final thoughts on it. So I, that yeah. That's the only thing I could think it it would be about. Yeah,
0: maybe we'll see this come back around in some way when Aang ultimately confronts the Avatar state. Maybe the understanding of the Lion Turtle's words will echo forward and we'll, we'll kind of find out as the show goes on. So, with the rest of Team Avatar this episode, we see them decide to go find Iroh instead of Aang, since they can't really do anything with it, which I think was a really
1: good idea. Yeah, they did kind of let it go pretty easily. It's like, oh, Aang doesn't exist? All right, here's Iro's sock. Can we find him? Well, yeah, I mean, I,
0: yeah, that's true. They did jump to it really quick, but I do get what they're going for. It's like, well, we can't wait around for Aang. We still have to come up with a plan, so the only person who can take Ozai is Iroh, so let's go find him.
1: You know, if it, if it was this easy, why didn't they do this earlier? Like, why didn't they go try and, like, find Iroh earlier? I, I don't know.
0: I mean, maybe it wasn't necessarily... Maybe it wasn't necessary in their minds yet because it's like, oh, Aang is going to fight the Fire Lord. Oh, wait, no, he's not. He's going to wait until after the comet, so no big deal. Then it's like, no, you have to face him, and that's the plan now. Oh, Aang's disappeared? Now what do we do? Clearly, Zuko was not ready to face Iroh, so he wasn't going to force the issue, but now they have to because he's the only person they think that can stand up to Ozai, so I, I, I understand why they maybe didn't think of it beforehand, because they didn't really need to.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It, it just seemed like very quick.
0: Yeah. I think it's mostly because Zuko wasn't ready to face him.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: But once they get to outside Bossing Say, they are confronted by the White Lotus Society.
1: Oh my God, the Order of the White Lotus.
0: The Order of the White Lotus. They're real. Which we see, Master Piondo, Paku, Bumi, and Jongjong.
1: Yeah, all the
0: old people. All the old people. The old masters. The old. <laughs> One of my favorite things is when a title has two meanings or more if you can pull that off. And this one we see it's the old avatar masters plus the old masters of everyone else that we've met along the way. I thought this was a really really cool uh spin on the episode title.
1: Didn't all the old masters technically teach Ang a little bit at one point? Um I mean not Peando.
0: I mean I guess maybe some words of wisdom or something towards him.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so.
0: But yeah, everyone else kind of taught Aang a lesson of some type, you know. Bumi taught him in uh, Omashu and Return to Omashu a little bit of something about, like, neutral Jing. And then the first episode taught him to think like a mad genius. And they even called out that Zhang Zhang was Aang's first firebending teacher. And, of course, Paku was the waterbending master, so.
1: Yeah, nice big family reunion.
0: What were your thoughts on them being a part of the White Lotus, like Paku and Boomy and stuff? I think we knew that Piondo was because he gave them a White Lotus tile, and now that's being paid off. So how would this hit you?
1: Uh, I liked it because Bumi never struck me as like, I am loyal to the Earth Kingdom above everything else. Like I will do anything mm-hmm. for the Earth Kingdom. It's like, no, nah, he, he didn't really strike me like that. And honestly, like none of the other people did. So yeah, to me... It makes sense, like, yeah, they're all part of an organization that cares more about the whole world than they do their individual kingdoms or sections.
0: Right. And I think it makes sense to have an organization like that in a world like this.
1: And of course, we have Iroh. Is Iroh—Iroh Iroh isn't the leader, right?
0: I think he is in this instance. Okay. Like, it, it didn't seem that way before, like, when they were getting travels arranged for them to get into Bossing Say before— it seemed like the society was maybe leaderless, and Iroh went to them for help. But if he wasn't before, he definitely is at least the leader of the group that's about to take Bossing ba Se back. Which, by the way, I love that justification of like Iroh saying, "When I was a kid, I had a dream about conquering Bossing Se, and now I realize that that dream was to take it back from the Fire Nation." How great is that?
1: Yeah, I I did like that moment. I feel like, this is just a little tidbit, I feel like it would have been better if they had planted that earlier. Because we see, like, they're doing a good job of, like, planting things a little bit early. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know, in that season one episode where Iroh gets captured by, like, Earth Kingdom soldiers, if he had mentioned the dream, like, right then... Oh, you, you failed conquest of bossing Sing Se. It's like, uh, I had a dream. I was meant to conquer it, but I guess it was not meant to be. Yeah, I guess I'll have tea. You know, something I wrote. Right.
0: I mean, that's fair, but I, I would say that in a way they did kind of set it up in at least mentioning his conquest prior to that. But yeah. it's not the same as what you're saying. I, I do understand what you're saying, and that's, you know, true, but not necessary. Yeah,
1: I guess... The weird thing is, they make it sound like he was always meant to break down the walls at Bossing Se. Mm-hmm. Whereas it just, whenever they talked about it, it was always something he tried to do but failed. Right. And that was it. They never talk about, it, like, this is your destiny, Iroh. This is how you regain your honor, Iroh. <laughs> or whatever. So I don't know. I, I like the moment, but I feel if they planned it out, they probably could have done better. But then again, the original voice actor for Iro died. So I don't know if that affected their plans for Iroh in this season. Yeah. And that, that could have very easily have been the case. Yeah,
0: I know that he never got to finish season two, and they had to have the replacement voice actor fill in some blanks in season two. Not much, though. So yeah, it very well could have altered the entirety of season three. It, it could be the reason that Iroh was gone as long as he was from the episode. Oh, I think so. Um. Yeah, whether or not they had that planned, I mean, clearly the silent treatment in prison was a direct result of that, but, you know, I, I, once you have the replacement actor, I don't see it necessary to keep hiding him, so maybe that was the plan after that, but I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. Well, anyways, I did think it was a nice moment for mm-hmm. So I finally conquered Bossing Still counts!
0: Speaking earlier on Zuko not ready to face Iroh, we see this when he goes up to Iroh's tent and he stops outside. And he wasn't going to go in until Kutara kind of pushed him and gave him the confidence to. And I noticed something with Zuko here that I really, really liked, and it was a very subtle character choice that they did, but it was perfect. When Zuko walked into Iroh's tent and Iroh was asleep, Zuko sat on the floor and he waited patiently for Iroh to wake up. They showed patience in Zuko when he has not had it for so long in the previous seasons. And it was like a clear representation that Zuko has taken the lessons from Iroh and is putting them to use now.
1: Zuko has finally learned how to be chill. How to be chill. Which isn't that the greatest lesson of Avatar? How to be chill, and how to destroy your enemies when you are nothing but a measly cabbage salesman.
0: And then when Iroh gives Zuko his approval, it tells him he's proud of him, and he, you found your way, and you did it on your own, and I was never angry at you, I was just scared you had lost your way. That's such a powerful
1: moment. Yeah. Overall, just a very heartwarming scene between Zuko and Iroh.
0: This is where we see them sit down and discuss the plans on what they're doing. And first off, we see that Zuko's plan, his idea is that Iroh faces off against his brother Ozai and takes the throne back. And Iroh said something that me and you have actually discussed already, Michael, about Zuko taking out his father before wouldn't have worked because it would just look like a struggle within the family a power grab for the throne and Iroh says it'd be the same thing if he tried that even if he won and he doesn't think that he could that it wouldn't do any good it would it would just look like a power struggle between the family so I love that they use this logical conclusion or whatever to explain why it has to be a
1: yeah I'm very happy the creators of Avatar listened to our podcast and decide right to use our right reasons.
0: of course it's the only explanation because as we know they made these episodes
1: like week to week and according to our podcast (laughs) the only idea they didn't like was my whole thing about the cabbage salesman being the villain but all right i guess that's too hoity-toity for creators (laughs) at avatar but yeah no landon that that's us planting seeds in earlier episodes that are paid off in further episodes we did it we did it! We made a show! What callbacks!
0: I did think it was interesting that Iroh doesn't think he could take his brother. And I, I know that Iroh's powerful, but he clearly is not in the same shape and is older than Ozai. But I think it would really come down to the fact that Ozai would be more ruthless than Iroh.
1: Yeah, I do think so. Iroh... Iro can fight, but, you know, he fights honorably he fights fair mm-hmm. right so I feel like Ozai's the type of guy to like aim for the nuts or something <laughs> yep that's how you win a war yeah you know you know how brothers fight oh my god can you imagine if can you imagine if Ozai and Iroh start fighting like Drake and Josh <laughs> it's like yeah yeah yeah. like flames are happening so they're just burning alive <laughs>
0: No, and also, me and you, Michael, know the struggle of being a younger brother, too. So, you gotta, you gotta fight uh, fast, you gotta fight quick.
1: Oh, wait a minute, Iro's the older brother. That means he's gonna fight dirty. Really? You think the older brothers fight dirty? Oh yeah, of course! They're
0: bigger and everything. Right. Then we see that Iroh tells Zuko that he has to be the one to take the throne. Because of who he is and what he represents. And that Azula will be there waiting for him. And Iroh, this is another thing we see in Zuko that I really loved that they did. Iroh tells him, You've got to face Azula. And Zuko says, I'm ready. I can take her. And Iroh says, No, you can't. Not alone. And Zuko, before, he would have been like, You don't know what you're talking about or something. But instead, he goes, You're right. And then they say, Katara, will you go with me to face Azula and everything? And it was like, it, it was just such a little d- way to show this new Zuko again. He would have never done that before. Excepting when you need help. When you're wrong.
1: Yeah. That kind of makes me wonder. It's like, Zuko, you're not ready to face Azula. Katara, go help him. I was like, they've all tried to fight Azula. I mean... There was an episode where, like, they all faced off against her in, like, the desert mm-hmm. in season two. And, like, they didn't beat her. It's like, maybe, like, Iroh knows that, like, Katara can bloodbend or whatever. Right, well, that's something she did not have before, but it has to be a full moon. That's a conversation we didn't see between Zuko and Iroh after the hug. Just like, oh, by the way, Katara can bloodbend. It's crazy. It's, I've like, never seen anything like that. Oh, it. my God, Iroh. And was just like, oh, my God. Oh, ah! Uh. <laughs> it's like the only time Iroh loses his chill. she's so like, oh, bloodbending, ugh, uh.
0: I will say, however, when they all faced off against Azula, she ran. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, you're right. She did kind of turn her heel. She does have her limits, but yeah, I, I I don't know. She's also alone for the first time since they've faced her. She doesn't have Tylee and, Az- and May with her anymore. So I, I, I feel like they believe they've got a fair shot, and I think they have the right to believe that at this point.
1: I, I feel like they don't know that Azula's alone.
0: Yeah, well, I think they would know. They know that May betrayed her, but not necessarily Tylee. So yeah, that would be
1: diabolical if they like planned all that to like we're gonna hit her at her weakest. Right? Yeah, we're gonna tear her down. I guess the only thing left that was that, like they just bring out the mother to just be like Azula, you're a monster. You're weak. You're defenseless. You're nothing. <laughs>
0: Not Azula's mom, Toph's mom and dad come out and start yelling at Azula.
1: You're a spoiled brat, you're weak, you're nothing, you're spoiled. Azula's just a cry, she's just a mess, it's like she can't even firebend. Her tears are just steaming away. So next we
0: have Sokka, Suki, and Toph all planning to go try to stop the airships before they can take off. I like the fact that they're dividing their resources now to where it's important. And what's really going on here is that, let's not forget, they still don't know where Aang is or if he's coming back or when he'll be back, but they're charging forward anyway to be ready when he does show back up, which I think is an interesting dynamic to put our group in where it's not the team all together going straight in the front lines or whatever it's like they're kind of going their own separate ways but they all have an important job to do and they're going to be ready for whatever happens
1: yeah it's kind of interesting at the end they just uh, they know ang's not there it's like mhm but they all have faith he's going to show up and then we have the white lotus conquering bossing
0: say which i think we're going to get to see some of and I hadn't really considered that before now. I kind of, I forgot that that was part of the battlegrounds for this finale because I thought it was going to be a take the Fire Nation and then we'll stop the war and take, you know, take all the troops and everything out of Bossing or whatever. But it's like, no, we've got to conquer Bossing ba Se back because I guess that's sort of a important pillar in the Fire Nation's grasp on everything at this point. And unless you take it down too you don't really have much else. I don't know. It, it, it's interesting.
1: Yes, it is. And It looks like we're gearing up for an explosive finale.
0: One last thing, though. I do want to go back to Zuko trying to get Iroh back on the throne and Iroh telling Zuko that he has to be the one to do it. We've seen Zuko before claim he was the heir to the throne, and he also wanted to regain his honor to gain his rightful place back on the throne. But now we're seeing Zuko in a place where he didn't really see himself on the throne. He was trying to give it to Iroh, and I don't know if that's because he was scared to take it or didn't think he deserved it or what it was going on there, but it it definitely seemed sort of like a reluctant ruler to me.
1: I think it boiled down to, like, he didn't think he deserved it. Because I think it's he still feels bad about, like, Iroh, and all that's like I and I'm sure he thinks about it, it's like I have not been like the most honorable person really at all these past year or so. So like what makes anyone think I deserve to be on the throne? So I, I think that's probably what it is. But yeah.
0: One last note I have here fills in a little bit of a gap for us that was nice for them to throw in. We see Boomy escapes his imprisonment by waiting for the eclipse to show up. And he didn't know he was waiting for the eclipse, but once it did, he was like, yeah, that'll work. And he escaped and threw everyone else, every Fire Nation soldier out of Omashu and broke the bridge so that they can't come back. Oh, good for Boomy. The perfect example of Neutral Jing being that patient and waiting for the right opportunity so that none of his citizens had to die at the hands of a
1: resistance. Very smart, very powerful. Yes, indeed. Overall, I very much enjoyed this episode, and uh, I'm looking forward to the finale. I think we're gearing up for something pretty big, even if we don't know everything yet. I, I, I tell you, Landon, there's one thing we still do not know. Do you think God stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he's created? <laughs> that line is too deep to be in a, in a spy kid's film. <laughs> What a pull. But yeah, Landon, I'm looking forward to the next episode.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this episode. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please leave us a review, subscribe, tell a friend. It all helps out so much. And if you'd like to join in on our conversations, you can email us at avatarfancast@gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on past Avatar episodes and episodes to come. All right, Michael. Tell us what our next episode is about.
1: Our next episode is Sozin's Comet Part 3, Into the Inferno. Aang finally confronts Ozai, but he is still unwilling to take the Fire Lord's life. Okay.
0: All right. Same struggle, but it makes sense.
1: Same struggle. Uh, Aang, by the way, just uh, we have two episodes left, so uh, can you like wrap it up? <laughs> I, I, I do
0: want to point out here. That even after communing with a lion turtle, Aang still doesn't seem to have made a decision.
1: Come on, Aang. You just gotta do it.
0: Do you have any last speculations on what the solution is if not to kill Ozai? Because that's this whole thing. is Aang is looking for a way out.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know I made the joke about like cutting off his arms and all that, but yeah, I don't know. If he, like, figures out a way to, like, immobilize him, he just, like, can't move or something. Like, I, I don't know. I have nothing to speculate on.
0: Alright, well, join us next time for our discussion of Into the Inferno. Well, what
1: does that mean? It means your friend's gone.
0: We know he's gone. That's why we're trying
1: to find him. No, I mean, he's gone, gone. He doesn't exist.